Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, Jazz fans, we're going to have a game six. Jazz get beat by the Nuggets, 117-107. They had their chances. The Jazz were up by 15 in the third quarter. It looked like they might blow the game open, but uh, give the Nuggets credit. They never rolled over. They fought back. Jamal Murray hit shots. And as uh, Quinn Snyder said, and you'll hear this coming up in the Best of the Post Game Show, they lost their composure. They got upset with some calls. They didn't get on to the next play, and then they got beat there. Next thing you know, the lead's gone. Now, it's still a tie game with three and a half minutes left. And for all the mistakes they'd made in the second half, the Jazz could have just pulled themselves together, won the game, and won the series right there. But instead, Denver finishes the game on a 16-6 to run and turns a 101-101 tie into 117-107. I thought there were two big plays. They're both offensive rebounds. On one, I thought the Jazz got outworked. On the other one, it's just Denver's nine. The ball pinged their way. Uh, but on the first one, that was a 50-50 ball, and Denver went and got it. So you can fix that. The second one, those things tend to even out over time. The ball pinged around and ended up on Jamal Murray's hands out on the uh, right wing, and he hit a three. And it was a big, big shot. And the Jazz have got to figure out how to stop him. 50 points and then 42. Uh, he backs it up with another big game on 17-26 shooting. Royce O'Neal tried to guard him. That didn't go well. They switched... Uh, they switched Donovan Mitchell onto him, which is less than ideal because you're asking him to do so much offensively and then to take Murray, too, and uh, they just could not cool him off. Um, Fifteen turnovers for the Jazz, too many. Um, you know, that's just a problem. Uh, Royce O'Neal had four of them, including a travel late in the game when he passed up a three he just wanted no part of, which is odd because he was two of four from three in the game. It's not like he was, you know, having a miserable night out there. Uh, but whatever, it wasn't It wasn't a good close of the game for uh, Royce, that's for sure. So the Jazz get beat, and now on to game six. Got to close them out Thursday. They'll get another chance. Clippers will be trying to close out the Mavericks. They dominated the game. It wasn't even remotely close. But Marcus Morris going over and stepping on Luka Doncic's foot for no apparent reason other than, well, he wanted to because Luka's got a hurt ankle. It was a bad look. And it got caught on video. It's all over social media. You can see it. And uh, it's, it's a bad look. I'll be interested to see if the NBA disciplines him for that. Um, first off, they need to discipline players because otherwise players will handle it themselves on the court. And the NBA doesn't want that because that's going to lead to fights and guys getting hurt. And it's a bad look. Uh, then second, um, you got to protect your stars. I mean, people don't want to see a guy limping around on a bad ankle when he's one of the best players in the game. And you, you turn on the TV to watch guys like Luka Doncic because they blow your mind. So to just be intentionally stepping on his uh, sprained ankle, that's, that's no good at all. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we've got the best of postgame show coming up later in the hour. And you'll hear from Quinn Snyder talk about his team losing their composure and unable to move on to the next play, and it really cost him. Uh, and then you'll also hear from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, when we come back, you're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham. Uh, Pac-12 st- stopping football. Can they play in the spring? Kyle seems hesitant and a very limited schedule. Wouldn't shock me if there was maybe one cross-division game as kind of a non-conference game and then straight into a division round, Robin? for five more games, maybe a total of six. Kyle will talk about that coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Kyle Whittingham has been unavailable for the media until yesterday, and he took questions for almost half an hour. We're going to play a lot of that for you here. The entire thing is available online at 1280thezone.com. But here's Kyle talking about the end of the season, what they do now, how's this going to impact recruiting, what about spring football. Here's Kyle Whittingham. This is uh, uncharted territory for me and, and most of our coaches as far as uh, here it is, August 25th or whatever, and and uh, no football going on for us, no fall camp, no preparations for the season. And so it's uh, it's very unique. But, uh, you know, we're uh, just forging ahead. Uh, school started yesterday for our guys. So they're all back in town here. Uh, we did give them last week off. Uh, once we found out about the uh, the season being uh, delayed, then we, uh, you know, stopped uh, – you know, our on-field stuff and then gave them some time, some time off, brought them back today for school, and then we'll start up again uh, on Monday and we'll have a, uh, a routine where we're in the weight room uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and on the field Tuesday, Thursday. At least that's hopefully what we'll be able to do. We're still waiting for a few more details on what we can and can't do on the field. So uh, we'll just, uh, you know, respond accordingly once we get all the particulars. But but that's what we're thinking of uh, is going to be happening for the next oh three four five weeks is is that routine uh, you know Monday through Friday routine with the weight room and the on the field activities. So uh, that being said, go ahead and ask questions and, and uh, let me know what you want to talk about. All right, thank you, Coach. We'll start off with Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune to be followed by Trevor Allen. Josh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Hi, Kyle. Um, at at what point did you find out that the that the Pac-12 would postpone to the spring. And at this time, I mean, did, did you agree with their decision to postpone until the spring? Well, it was a couple of weeks ago, I believe. I think it might be a couple of weeks ago tomorrow to the day, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. But, but uh, you know, agree, disagree, uh, that's not really applicable. Disappointed, absolutely. Um, you know, I, we've got to follow the the uh, recommendations of the medical team and, and – uh, you know, they've been at this for months now, literally, uh, you know, examining it and deciding what we can do, what we can't do, what's safe, what's not safe. And so they came to the conclusion that uh, uh, putting a, a halt to this, the uh, fall season was, was in order. And, uh, you know, it was tough news to get to the, uh, give to the team. They were all disappointed. You know, they, they, they want to play. Obviously, they're football players. They want to play football. But uh, it's beyond our control. Nothing we can do about it. And so now we just set our sights on whatever's next. And, and at this point in time, like I mentioned, it's, it's next week's uh, routine getting back uh, started up with, uh, you know, with training. Coach, I want to ask you uh, about um, your thoughts on uh, there are a couple of schools that are not playing in the fall that are planning or considering a pro day event this fall so that their draft prospects don't have to worry about squeezing in a pro day event next spring when there might be a football season going on. Is that something that, that Utah would, would consider as well? Absolutely. And, and uh, we're looking at all possibilities and, and uh, we want to make sure we give our seniors every advantage possible and, and uh, exposure, any exposure we can give them and, and make things uh, easier for them. We will certainly try to do, um, you know, we don't have any dates in mind right now. In fact, we're not even sure, it's going to be something that is completely allowable. And so, you know, there's just a lot of unanswered questions right now and a lot of uncertainty 
uh, going forward. And those discussions are happening really as we speak. I mean, there's meetings every day about uh, what things are going to look like, uh, you know, in the near future. And, the, and then, of course, uh, in, in, the, in the spring. But, but uh, if we can implement something like that and make it work and have the okay to do that, then uh, we'd be all for it. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Let's go next to uh, David James from KUTV to be followed by Josh Furlong, KSL. Kyle, I'm curious uh, what you think about the possibility of a spring season. How doable is that? And what would it need to look like to actually be pulled off? Great question. Um, I think it's doable. Is it likely? Uh, I think right now it's probably – uh, 50-50 at best. We can pull something like that off, in my opinion. I, I don't have any uh, inside information other than just my own thoughts. Um, it would have to be an abbreviated season uh, in order to be able to not impact the 21 fall season because uh, that's really critical that that fall of 21 goes off uh, as normal. I mean, that's that's uh, pretty much got to happen. And so I would see <clears throat> maybe a, uh, a spring ball type of a a routine uh, given to the, the Pac-12 teams that would that would be somewhere in uh, late September, October, early November, somewhere in there. Uh, and then uh, a fall camp, I guess you could call it, uh, equivalent uh, starting in early January. And then maybe starting games uh, towards the end of January or early February. Uh, five, six, seven game schedule. That would put you, what, uh, towards the end of March. And then, uh, you know, maybe you have a playoff game or a championship game uh, between the North and the South. And, and I know there's even some discussions about maybe Bulls jumping on board and, and uh, being available for uh, something in the spring. But, but again, that's just all in the infancy stages. And, and uh, you know, a lot, to, a lot of ground needs to be covered before we get to that. And uh, we'll just see what happens. But uh, it's plausible. Uh, and we'll see how, you know, I think it will be a clearer picture in the uh, ensuing, you know, three or four weeks. Next question will be Josh Furlong, KSL, followed by Trevor Allen, KSL. Kyle, with the NCAA granting a year of eligibility, regardless of whether players play in the spring, have you have you talked about the logistics of what that means for your for your institution, especially for maybe these seniors, a, a guy like maybe like a Jake Bentley who could potentially come back, even though he could play if you do have a spring season. Absolutely. And, and I think that was a great decision by the NC2A uh, to allow that. I know there was not much appetite for, for the player from the players to play in the spring if it was going to be a, an abbreviated season and it was going to count uh, against their eligibility. And so when they made the uh, determination that it would not count against your eligibility, that that uh, made it a whole different uh, ball game for our guys. And, and uh, you know, it's an everything to gain, nothing to lose type thing for a senior. I mean, if you're a senior and you – you play an abbreviated spring schedule and you put uh, some really good things on tape and you think your stock is, is as high as it's going to get, then you can go ahead and uh, enter the draft. And if you feel like maybe there's still that you still got work to do and you still have things you want to uh, get better at, then you'd have the option to come back in the fall. Now, what that's going to do is really put a interesting spin on the class of 22 that's coming out. Cause, cause right now the, uh, the way I understand it, is you're going to have 85 scholarships available for you in the fall of 21, uh, not counting your seniors. So any seniors do not go into that count. And so you might be at 85 scholarships with your junior, sophomore, and freshman class and have you know 15 or 20 seniors. 
And, uh, you know, when the season's over, those 15 or 20 seniors obviously depart. And then you still got 85 scholarship players and that's your limit. And so to clear space for the 22 recruits, uh, that's going to be interesting because, you know, I don't know how it's going to, how it's going to go down. And they're talking about, well, you know, guys may move on and transfer, you know, if they don't feel like they're, they're, uh, you know, you're not, they're not in your plans, but where are they going to transfer to? Because everyone's in the same boat. Nobody really has any scholarships available. And so that's really going to be impactful for that class of 22. And, and uh, if it doesn't indeed go down as they have it outlined right now, uh, I don't know how it's going to work, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Next is Trevor Allen, KSL, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Can you hear me now, Kyle? Gotcha, loud and clear. All right. Um, I, I know that there's been some players around the conference who have, have uh, wanted to transfer, enter the portal because of uh, other conferences are playing in the fall still. Have you had, and you, I, I know you don't have to tell me names or anything like that, but have you had conversations with any of your players who have any desire to transfer to a, to a conference that is, that is planning on playing in the fall? Yeah, zero conversations with anybody on our football team about transferring. Uh, that's not to say that might not be in their mind or in the, you know, at the forefront of their mind, but that's, it would have to happen pretty quick now. And we're into this pretty deeply. And so I would say the odds are, are most likely against that. Although, you know, it's still uh, conceivable, but I've heard nothing. Uh, no one's come to me. Like I said, no one's approached me and I've heard no, uh, secondhand information about anybody that is thinking along those lines. Next will be Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Dana Green, ABC4. Kyle, with the recruiting dead period now extended all the way through September, um, just what are your concerns about uh, trying to recruit, trying to evaluate specifically these um, these class of 2021 kids? Well, really no concerns because it's a level playing field. You know, everybody's in the same boat which uh, doesn't really give advantage or disadvantage to anybody. And uh, my guess is that dead period will be extended beyond September 31st. Uh, September 31st, even a day, how many days in September? But anyway, uh, the end of September, I think it'll be very well may go into the end of the calendar year. And so there's a good chance that uh, these recruits will not be able to have any visits to your campus and we can't leave our campus to go visit them. But again, if that's the case, you just got to do the best you can with your Zoom uh, virtual tours and virtual visits and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, we, we feel like we've, we've put together a pretty good class so far, a really good class so far. And we've got, uh, you know, three or four uh, players right now that we think we're really close on getting commitments on. And, and so, uh, again, back to your original question, not a concern, but, but uh, you've got to you know, do the best you can with what you have available. And I think we're doing that. Yeah, Coach, uh, I wonder if you were surprised at all by the fact these other conferences like the SEC and the Big 12 are going forward. And uh, if they do play this fall, I wondered if how, that, how that's going to affect your team and your league going forward for next year, do you think? Yeah, well, surprised. Uh, I was probably, you know, I wasn't surprised, but it was very interesting that uh, there can be such a differing um, medical opinion. And I guess and I know certain parts of the country have different issues going on than other parts. And so that factors into it, but, but uh, you'd think there'd be a little more uniformity uh, in the, in the process, but, but uh, that's not the case. And so that's the, that's the, uh, the, the cards we've been dealt. And so we've just got to, to roll with it. Um, what was the second part of your question, Mike? I'm sorry. 
Um, just going forward, is that going to affect your team and league being behind the other leagues because they're playing this year? Yeah, that, you know, that could have uh, that impact, particularly if we don't have a, a spring season to, uh, you know, to, to play. And, and so, um, you know, I don't know, you know, recruiting wise, I don't think it'll play much into that, but just readiness to play. And, and uh, you know, these kids, they, they missed a whole spring. They missed all fall camp. Um, and it looks like, uh, you know, they're going to be limited on what we can do going forward. And so I think time will tell and, and uh, really be the determiner of, of how impactful it is. But but I certainly think that we'll have an impact. Yeah. OK, let's go to Tom Hackett, KSL. Coach, you got me? I got you, Tom. And if you can figure out unmute, unmute then everybody on this call should be able to do it. I'm going to somehow take that as a compliment. Hey, um, I'm curious. I think it's fair to assume that, uh, or fair to say that there's, there's some sort of disconnect throughout the power five conferences, given that the PAC 12 big 10 aren't playing and, and other conferences are, have you put any thought towards how this doesn't happen again in the future? Do you have a solution? Huh. No solution for me as far as that goes, but it would be nice to be, have some uniformity and, and, uh, and uh, consistency with this. And, uh, but again, I guess, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a doctor, as I've said, and, and there's different parts of the country have different uh, stages of the virus going on, and so I'm sure that plays into it. But uh, it is interesting that you know the NFL's playing, and and uh, three of the top Power Fives, and and uh, you know a bunch of high schools, and and then there's some that aren't. You know, there's some conferences that aren't, and so so it is it is uh, uh, unique, and uh, you know I don't. Don't have all the answers for that, but but it is something that uh, is uh, you know piques your curiosity. Next will be Chris Camrani from the Athletic, followed by David James. Hey Kyle, we uh, have only seen this spring twenty twenty roster for a while. I'm just wondering, can you update us on any on any changes to the roster as it stands? Have you guys lost any players? that have moved on from the program since we talked to you last, whenever that was a few months ago. I don't believe we've lost any players since we talked. I can't recollect exactly uh, when we published that or when we, you know, when we last had a release, but, but uh, nobody has transferred certainly not in the past couple months uh, or expressed their desire to transfer. Uh, as far as the depth chart itself, I'd have to break it out, okay. and it, but there's, there hasn't been a lot happened to, to have movement on the depth chart. You know, like I said, we haven't been on the field, uh, but just a little bit. And uh, what we were on the field was no pads and no contact. And so there's really no, not been any opportunity for, for anybody to make a move on the depth chart or lose their job for that matter. So, so uh, I could go over it uh, at some point with you if you'd like, but for right now, just off the top of my head, it should be pretty similar to uh, what we put out uh, several months ago. Next, we'll go to David James, KUTV, followed by uh, Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, there have been uh, reports of several players, and we've seen them on the field now, who have moved from states where they're not playing football, like California, to Utah high schools so that they can play. And part of the theory that's been put out there has been, well, they need to play and be seen so that they can be recruited. And I'm wondering if there are any examples of where that's really changed your perception of players or between camps and previous games and seven on sevens before everything got shut down. Have you pretty much evaluated these guys and there really hasn't been much change, even though people have changed states to play. Well, there's some players that, uh, based on the junior tape, you don't need to see anything more. You, you've got a, a, a 
you know, a solid evaluation and you know exactly what your plan is with that player. But there's a lot of players that uh, you need to continue to watch and further evaluate and see how they develop uh, during their senior season. And uh, I think that is definitely something that's beneficial to uh, the guys in that category. And, and uh, we're aware of several guys that have moved into the state of Utah to, to play their senior year. And we're, you know, evaluating those guys. And, and uh, so I would say, yeah, that is a benefit, although it's not, uh, you know, you know, every single player is not in that same boat. Like I said, there's a lot of guys who just based on their junior or even sophomore tape, uh, we can have a definitive answer on, uh, you know, what our evaluation is and, and whether or not we're going to recruit that particular athlete. But, but uh, yeah, there's probably, I want to say, you know, a dozen that I'm aware of that uh, moved into the state of Utah that uh, came from out of state. Okay, Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, to be followed by Josh Furlong, KSL. Kyle, you sort of addressed this earlier, but I'm I'm curious. Let's hypothetically, if you play eight or so games in the spring, how, how feasible is it to get a full twelve in on time in the fall? And also to that, is there a student athlete welfare issue that would come with trying to play twelve on time? Well. Uh, Good question. Again, this is all stuff that has never happened before, and so it's all speculation. And and uh, but but one thing I would say is eight would probably have to be the absolute maximum number of games in spring in order to not impact a fall season. And I think more like uh, five, six, or seven is probably a better number to uh, ensure that the players aren't you know the wear and tear and and the physicality of a season. Uh, you know, were they able to withstand that and then be able to come back and do it again in September, uh, end of August, September. Um, now, now spring ball does take a toll as well. I mean, that would obviously the season in spring would be in lieu of spring football and spring football typically is a, is a very physical uh, process and, and uh, you do uh, quite a bit of banging in spring ball, not to the extent that you would in a, in an eight game season, but, but uh, to answer your question, I think that would be the absolute maximum amount of games, maybe one or two too many uh, in order to uh, be realistically able to get through a 12-game fall season. Then, you you know, when you're talking about 12 games, that's if you don't go to a, a conference championship game or a playoff situation or a bowl game, that type of thing. There is Kyle Whittingham. Uh, that's most of what he had to say yesterday. But if you want to hear the whole thing, go to 1280thezone.com. We've got a lot of audio there. You can listen to that. When we come back... Uh, the best of the jazz post game show and Quinn Snyder on what went wrong in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go! Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz get beat 117-107. They're held to 44 points in the second half. They're outscored 35-21 to in the fourth quarter. And it was tied with three and a half minutes to go. They could have won the game for all the mistakes they made, but Denver was a better team down the stretch. Here's the best of the postgame show. 
Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz fall in Game 5 of their best of seven playoff series with the Denver Nuggets, 117-107 to last night. Jake Scott with you. Electric performance from Jamal Murray for the Denver Nuggets. 42 points on 17 of 26 shooting. Eight rebounds, eight assists. He was just terrific. Nikola Jokic with 31 to go along with six rebounds and four assists for him. For the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell led the way with 30 points on 11 of 23 shooting. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had 17. Mike Conley had 17. Joe Ingles with uh, 13. But tough second half for the Utah Jazz. Give up a 15-point third-quarter lead and uh, end up falling by 10. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, first question we'll have from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, it's certainly hard to win four in a row, especially against uh, a guy, Jamal Murray, who had the momentum. I know you're going to look at the film, but just what stands out about what else you guys could have done to slow him down tonight? Well, I thought, you know, on some level, we, we just lost our composure when we were ahead. And um, he certainly made some terrific plays. Um, you know, we had some breakdowns. Usually he got those buckets throughout, you know, really the course of the game. And then during that one stretch, he really got going where um, a little bit of everything, some offensive rebounds. Um, he went by us a couple times, um, split a double team one time when we were trying to trap him. So there, were, there was a lot of things, as you said, we'll look at it. Um, you know, but you know, he had a great game the other night as well. He's capable of doing that. But I thought as much as anything, you know, we got a little distracted um, during the game and, uh, you know, weren't as focused defensively, collectively. Okay, next question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn, uh, you guys only scored 44 points in the second half. It seemed like Denver really kind of was able to ratchet up their defensive intensity. Uh, what did you see them do differently after halftime? Well, they they were aggressive. They were they were hedging on pick and roll. You know, Jokic got up and, and was in like a kind of a soft blitz. There was a number of things they did to try to contain our ball handlers. Um, we still got into the paint. You know, we didn't finish some. I thought we got concerned about getting fouled. Uh, we passed up a few shots that, you know, we've been taking and, and have been playing with confidence. And um, But as much as anything, you know, we stopped being able to get out and run as well. Um, you know, and we just have to execute better. You know really on both ends of the floor. I give Denver credit. You know, they made plays in the second half. I thought that, you know, we were in a great position, you know, up 15, I think. And, you know, we lost our composure a little bit and uh, they made some plays to get back in the game. And then we were in for a dogfight. Next question, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, you mentioned losing composure and being distracted down there in the stretch. Uh, does that concern you that that's happening in a closeout game or moving forward? No, I mean, we're the same team that, that played well enough to have that lead. Um, I think in these situations, you know, that's, you know, that that's the important time to, you know, to not, to not have that happen and to not get distracted and to continue to come together. And um, our guys know that, um, you know, Denver had something to do with that. There's no question about it. I thought we were, you know, looking for a call at various times instead of going a little stronger to the basket. And more than anything, mentally, we weren't able to get to the next play. And as a result, you know, they start to get on a run. Okay, uh, next up, Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, was this a matter, simply a matter of Denver raising their level and you guys not uh, raising your level to meet it? Or was, 
or is this something a little bit more intricate than that? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it was a question of, you know, we, we, our level was up too. Um, you know, we've got to play better. I mean, sometimes it's, you can look for kind of, you know, sweeping kind of conclusions on things. And other times it's a, it's a string of plays and there was a number of them and, and we, we didn't make plays when we needed to. And that's what we've been doing. That's what we did the first part of the game to get the lead. So um, sometimes it's as simple as execution. And oftentimes when a team's making a run, you get a little distracted and that's when we have to come together even more. You know, our guys know that we'll come out ready to play the next game. Okay, and Ben Anderson, KSL Sports, last question. Quinn, Royce got in foul trouble on back-to-back -back fouls, and that forced you to switch up your defense. And Donovan ended up actually having to play quite a bit on Jamal late. What, what impact did that have on Donovan on the offensive side, and, and how can you solve that? Well, I mean, you're, you're right, everything you said. And, you know, Jamal, was he was playing well and attacking us. Um, so we moved Donovan over to him. And, you know, that does take a toll on Donovan. That's why we have Royce on him. Um, but Donovan wanted the challenge. He did a good job. Um, we just got to do, you know, collectively um, do a better job in those situations. It, sometimes it was the guy on the ball. Sometimes it was somebody coming to trap. Sometimes it was the weak side. Um, it's not on one guy. All right. Thank you, Coach. It's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder talking about his team losing focus and losing their composure. Certainly looked that way uh, in the third quarter when they were giving up that lead. Let's now let you hear from Mike Conley. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started here. Um, our first question tonight will be from uh, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Mike. So Jamal got going there in that second half. Coach was saying that you know what stood out is the loss of composure in your group and the distraction. Uh, can you just walk me through kind of that stretch in, in that second half and the difference for you guys as far as that's concerned? Yeah, um, you know, Jamal, Jamal was fantastic tonight, um, especially in that second half. He really got going. And I think that um, as a team, you know, we let uh, a couple of events rattle us a little bit, whether it's fouls or not being, or, you know, offensive fouls or turnovers or, you know, not being, not being able to move on to the next play uh, really kind of bit us tonight because, you know, they were playing, uh, you know, with nothing to lose and, um, and, and really outworked us tonight. So, you know, those are things we got to take away from, from uh, tonight's game. Okay, next question will be David James, KUTV. Mike, I'm curious, they defended the pick and roll a little more aggressively there later in the game. How much did that have an impact? Yeah, um, you know, they really were aggressive in the pick and roll. I thought Jokic was up in a lot of the pick and rolls. Uh, their guards were really pressured up and, and trying to speed us up a little bit. Um, but I thought we handled it to the best of our ability at the time. I thought Don did a, a, a fantastic job all game. We just had a couple stretches uh, in the third and fourth that uh, allowed them to, to get momentum. And, um, you know, we have to, to watch the film, uh, learn from, you know, those, those coverages that they were throwing at us and come back with an adjustment. Next up, Ryan McDonald, Deseret News. Mike, you guys and, and you in particular have been shooting so well from behind the three-point line. It faltered a little bit down the stretch there for you guys. Is it something that you guys need to need to keep relying on and, and hope they go in, or do you need to figure something out else out so you're not so reliant on, on three-point shooting? Uh, we're going to keep shooting them. Uh, that's, that's what we do. Uh, that's what Coach wants us to do. Um, but we're also a team that understands uh, how important the pain is. And uh, and we can get three-point shots off, off of penetration, dribble penetration. And for the most part of the series, we've been able to get, get that penetration and getting down in the pain. And 
guys looking for for each other on the you know kickouts and and extra passes and kind of making them rotate. Um, we need a little bit more of that, you know, going forward. But I think we'll continue to shoot. I thought a lot of our looks were really good. Some of them did fall, um, but you know, next game hopefully will be different. All right, Tony Jones, the Athletic. Mike, when you you know when you guys get to a to a situation where a desperate team kind of makes a run at you. Um, what can you learn from what happened today? As you guys said, you kind of lost composure. What can you learn going forward if you were in that position again? Well, I think not to, to let our minds get away from our task at hand. I think uh, at that time we were playing, you know, great ball. Um, we had a couple of things not roll our way. We're, you know, talking to the officials or whatever it may be and not locked in on, on our on our game and uh, in a situation like that, you know, the other team doesn't care what's going on in your mind. They're going to keep pushing, they're going to keep going and, and keep fighting. And, um, you know, that's what teams like Denver do. They're very good and, uh, and they're going to, they're not going to lay down easy. Um, it's going to be a fight and we understand that. Next we have Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Mike, um, kind of talking about what Quinn had said that you guys had lost your composure a little bit, that you guys had gotten distracted in the fourth quarter. Does that concern you that that happened in a closeout game and moving forward, that that's when the mistakes came? Um, it's not it's not concerning because of the moment, I don't think. I think that um, that it happens. It, it will happen. And, and, and for us to um, be put in a situation now where it's 3-2 and we still have a chance to close out our next game, hopefully it's an opportunity for us to learn. You know, uh, we're not perfect. Uh, we're still learning as we go. And uh, this team has a lot of potential. So for us to have a, a situation like that tonight uh, in a big moment in the playoffs uh, is a great learning experience because if it happens tonight, it, if it didn't happen tonight, it might happen, you know, another series or another year, another time. So, um, you know, it's good that we, that, that we have to go through it. Okay. And our final question will be from Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Hey, Mike, when the game gets tight like that and Donovan Mitchell's forced to, to match up with Jamal Murray and doesn't have it on the other side, do you feel like over the last few games you've kind of just gotten used to Donovan bailing everybody out because he's had these huge scoring performances and was the team just kind of not prepared when he wasn't there? Um, you know, I think, I think you, you know, you can kind of look at it like that. I think we, we expect Donovan to do Donovan things. I think everybody does, um, just as Denver expects Jamal to do what he does. So, um they had a night and uh and and donovan you know didn't make the 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 same shots at the same moments um that he's used to making um but i, I don't think it was you know that that stretches that that stretch at the end of the game that lost us this game so um we understand it's our mindset and the way we come into these games and how we can have to have to be consistent uh throughout the 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 first second third quarters in order to get to the fourth with with uh you know confidence and and that same kind of grit that we've been playing with all righty thank you mike there's Mike Conley, 17 points, five assists, four rebounds. Still played well, but not quite as well as he had in his uh, previous two outings. So let's now let you hear from Donovan Mitchell. All right, Donovan, we'll get started with uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, just first of all, what did you see Jamal Murray do over the course of that second half? And I know you were matched up on him at, at the end there. You know, Does that take away from what you're able to do offensively a little bit late? First off, before I answer that, I just want to, you know, we all saw the video of um, the cop shooting Jacob Blake and um, in Wisconsin, I believe it's Wisconsin. Um, 
I just want to say, first off, you know, I, I tweeted something that was the truth. Um, this is bigger than just the game. You know, I'm not taking anything from the game, but man, this is life. And there are times where, a lot of times, excuse me, where we say we don't feel safe. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money, it doesn't matter who you, who you are. Uh, and our voices that we use down here, I think is, it's very important for us to continue using our voices. It's, it's, it's inex inexcusable um, to see stuff like that. Whether, you know, the, the how do I say this? The, the, um, the common excuse is, oh, you shouldn't have, you know, walked away. You, know, you shouldn't have not listened to the cops. You know, that doesn't deserve you to be shot in the back um, or excuse me, shot seven times. That's, that's just inexcusable. And I think that's really what we should focus on, we need to focus on because the point of us coming down here was to create change. And I feel like we did it, we're doing a good job of that, but obviously not good enough. And it's obviously not gonna happen overnight, but uh, it's, it's, it's disgusting. And I, I don't, I really don't know how else to, to describe it, you know, as an African-American male and, and I have my sister and my mom and, and my dad and, you know, my friends and family know, when, when does it stop? When do we feel comfortable you know when do we feel safe i'm not saying you know don't arrest the guy because he's a criminal but man he doesn't deserve to be shot point blank grabbing his shirt seven times um it looks like he was just shot on the street you know it didn't even look like it was an officer shooting and i think that's that's what's even crazy about it um so i just want to get that uh, off my chest and it's it's really disappointing um i, I it's, it's, it's it's tough, man, and uh, I, I just, I just want this to stop. Uh, to be completely honest with you, and um, yeah, that's that. Um, sorry, can you go repeat your question, Andy? Yeah, I'm here with you. Um, first of all, just talk. What about what did Jamal Murray do? That's tough to guard. And then, when you're defending him, does that take away kind of your energy level on offense? Um, he he got hot. You know, he took advantage of a, a lot of situations. You know, he, he's a shot maker. No matter who you put on, he's a shot maker. And that's that's given his credit. You know, he's worked at that. He he's he's a he's a, he's their go-to guy. Him and Jim and Joker. And I think we we kind of they they had a level that we just didn't quite reach. And I think that's just on us. You know, he did a, he did a great job getting downhill, getting to the rim, knocking shots down. Um, and for me, just trying to make it tougher on him. He hit tough shots. You know, he made tough moves, and I gotta give him credit. You know, there's nothing nothing else to you give him his credit and you move on to the next one and for me i got to be able to do both there's there's nothing um i ended up dunking on the other end like this there's nothing I, I feel like i can't do i feel like i can defend on, on both both sides you know obviously we have great defenders and i believe in royce and joe and and, and rudy don't get me wrong we have a hundred percent confidence in them um but for me it's just like that's what that's what's needed that's what's needed i'm gonna do everything my team needs me to do and you know unfortunately like i said they were at a level that we just didn't reach um they played desperate and i got to give them credit because some teams would roll over they didn't they kept fighting especially being down 15. uh chris and kenny jazz tv Don, Coach uh, was saying that you guys had lost some composure in the third quarter, a little distracted and mentally not able to get to the next play at times. What did you see on the floor as far as that? And how do you fight through that knowing, you know, the next one's a big one? Watch the film and, and, and move on. We got to be professionals about it. Understand they take this, take this long to move on. Like I said, you got to give them credit where credit's due. They raised their level. We just didn't match it. Um, that's that's really it you know nothing special they they've been doing that to us we played them what eight times this year eight or nine, eight or nine times so we, they've 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 done that and they did a great job of that tonight we just got to be ready to to, to attack it and I, I had a stupid turnover to start the, in the third quarter at two or three of them um looking for fouls stuff that we haven't done all series um and i think we just kind of got out of our character and uh, we just got to come back ready ready to go we'll go sarah todd desert news 
Uh, the, kind of piggybacking off that, Donovan, the fact that you guys lost your composure a little bit and you had sort of those little missteps here and there, does that concern you that that happened in a closeout game? Um, no, not at all. I think, you know, we've, we've, I think we've played a great series up until this point, you know, and I think there's going to be times where you do lose your composure. Composure. We did a great job of keeping it throughout this whole series, but there's been some games where, you know, we, we could get really away and we've been, we've been good at keeping our heads in it. And, you know, I think for us, we just got to go out there and continue to do what we do. And we kind of lost that tonight. I don't think it's concerning. I think for us, we just got to not overreact, uh, get right back to it, get in the gym, take our shots too. We took, a, we didn't take a lot of shots and not just in the, last in the fourth quarter we took a lot we just made it tough on ourselves and I think for us we've done a great job all series of making the right play making the right read and just being at a level uh, that they were at tonight and I think we'll, we, we'll respond last question is from Eric Walden Salt Lake Tribune Donovan we saw some uh, some things from Denver's defense especially later in the second half tonight that we hadn't seen previously in the series uh, and you guys wind up scoring 44 points after halftime. Can you speak to just what they were doing differently and, and if that caught you guys off guard at all? What, what difficulty you had adjusting? I don't think they did anything differently. I think they just did it better. Uh, and like I said, you got to give them their credit. They turned up their intensity and we weren't ready to match it. Um, I think they played, we played at a level, we played solid all game and we thought, you know, we, we kind of thought it was just going to continue that way. And they're, they're competitors. They're fighters over there. They're guys who, you know, don't want to go home. We, we didn't play like we wanted to move move on in the late in the fourth quarter. They played like they didn't want to go home, uh, simply put. And you got to give them credit. Uh, but we just got to be ready to respond and be ready to have that same intensity from the jump all the way to the fourth quarter uh, next game. There's Donovan Mitchell, 30 points on 11 of 23 shooting, and he talked about how Denver uh, ratcheted up the energy level in the second half, and the Jazz just did not match it. Going to have to do that in Game 6, where the Jazz will have another chance at advancing. Let's uh, take a listen to the Denver side of things. Let's uh, hear from head coach Mike Malone. All right, we'll go ahead and get started here. We'll open up for questions. We'll start with uh, Katie Wingy. Katie, go ahead. Coach, describe what we saw from Jamal Murray and the way that he took over the game for you guys in the second half. Yeah, just more more of the same, Katie. Uh, obviously, uh, in the last game, he scored 50 points, uh, unfortunately, in a losing effort. Uh, I could tell after the game of game four, our guys were not ready to go home. I could tell that yesterday. I could tell that this morning. Uh, and Jamal, when the game was on the line, took over. Uh, Nicola got us off to a great start, 21-point first quarter. Uh, but down the stretch, um, Jamal embraces a moment. He's not afraid of it. Some people run away from those moments. He, he, he looks for them. And uh, without Jamal Murray's play, and not even just the points, but his attitude, that swagger, that confidence, that is contagious to all of our other players. So, uh, And he made a lot of really important big plays, not just scoring. I thought the corner pass to Nicola for the three was, uh, was a dagger. Uh, which helped kind of close the deal, but 42-8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, The young man is growing up and turning into a superstar on the biggest stage, and uh, couldn't be more proud of him. All right, next we'll go to Mike Singer. Mike, go ahead. Hey, Michael, the 44 points you allowed in the second half to Utah, can that be a blueprint for how to defend them moving forward? Yeah, it better be, you know, because next game is same, same thing, win or go home. Uh, that, that was great to see, 44 points, only 41% from the field. And they had scored 13 fast break points in the first half. They had zero in the second half. So uh, we knew that we, we just couldn't keep on trying to outscore this team. At some point in time, we'd have to play some defense. Uh, I thought P.J. Dozier was phenomenal tonight, unsung hero. Uh, and talk about a guy, a young player being a pro, 
did not play at all in last game, didn't pout, didn't feel sorry for himself. He came in. His size, his physicality, I thought, really helped us guard their, their backcourt. Uh, and Michael Porter off the bench, 34 minutes, uh, was phenomenal as well. And, you know, those late game minutes on a playoff game are really going to help in speeding up his development. All right, next we'll go to Kendra Andrews. Kendra, go ahead. Michael, you mentioned Jamal's swagger, as you called it. Where, from just coaching him, where do you think that comes from? And then how important is it to have a guy like that on your team, especially in these win or go home moments? So another two-part question. Of course. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, you know, you have to give Jamal's family, his mother and father, a lot of credit. Uh, Jamal has a, uh, an inner confidence. And there's just something about him. I, I remember when he was a rookie, the first time I saw it, well, we were losing to Chicago at home. And the first time I saw it, uh, I saw him start slinging arrows all over the place. He took over and you could see he fed off the, the energy of the crowd. Um, and he's, he's always had that. He came to us with that. He's a big game player. And uh, I think in these playoffs, he's even making more of a name for himself in that regard. So, um, but we have a lot of work to do. Obviously, this was a very important win for us to stay here and keep this series alive, you know, but, you know, we, we have to go out there and find a way to get game six and force that deciding game seven. And uh, Jamal and Nicole will be the keys to, uh, to us continuing doing that. All right, next we'll go to Harrison Wind. Harrison, go ahead. I believe you guys were down 15 in the third, and uh, it, it looked like it could be slipping away for a second. What are you just telling your guys in the huddle there? Yeah, you know, I could tell. I think early in the third, Harris, I called the timeout. They hit a couple of threes, extended the lead, and I, and I could see the body language a little bit. I could see the head is dropping. I, I, I sensed that our bench was kind of getting really quiet. And so that timeout wasn't to draw up a fancy play. It was to uh, to let our guys know there's a lot of time left and we have to fight to get out of it. We have to defend to get out of it and, uh, and, and make sure we stayed engaged. Uh, I, I did not want to walk out of Orlando uh, with our heads bowed down, feeling sorry for ourselves. Not, not in my nature. So just demanding them to play hard, demand them to keep on fighting, to stay together, and they did it. I mean, our players deserve all the credit. They went out there and played an extraordinary second half. And uh, again, uh, we know Utah will be ready in game six. We'll, we'll need an even better effort uh, in our next meeting with them. All right, we have time for one more here, and we'll end with Rod Mackey. Rod, go ahead. Coach, as you walked up before this thing started, I could see, you know, ear to ear the grin. You talked earlier today about all you've had to overcome. No one's had a road to Orlando like the Nuggets have. Do moments like this make you go, boy, it was all worth it? I know it's only one game. I know you still have two to win. But uh, to see the performance from your guys, and you said they wouldn't quit. They sure didn't. Yeah, I'm proud of them. You know, I mean, it's uh, uh, it hasn't been easy, but that, that's why a win like this is that much more rewarding, uh, Rod. Uh, and what what I also got a lot of uh, satisfaction in is you looked at that group that finished the game, and we rode the third end of the third and the whole fourth quarter with the same group uh, for the most part. Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic, we know they're a huge part of our future. Uh, Jeremy Grant, we're so excited to get him. And now hopefully we can bring him back. He's such a big part of what we're trying to do. And then Michael Porter, again, meaningful minutes on both ends of the floor. I thought he was tremendous on defense tonight. He's growing up. He's taking it that challenge personally. So uh, for all the Nuggets fans at home, I think that to close the game, it was a great win. But just look at the potential. That group is a young group. 25 years old, 25 years old, 23 years old, 22 years old. You no, know, that's 
if that group continues to work together and mature, I think we have a tremendously high ceiling. All right, Coach, that'll do it. Thank you. I appreciate it. There's Nuggets head coach Mike Malone. Uh, his team wins last night in the bubble in Orlando, 117-107. to Jazz still lead the series three games to two. Game six coming your way tomorrow afternoon. Tip-off from the bubble will be at 2 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Pre-game will begin at 1, and of course you'll hear it all right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines stay with us.